I speak to you in the name of excuse me, in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So the story we heard in our gospel lesson today is the story of the transfiguration. And transfiguration in theological terms means that someone's face is changed, usually to reflect the glory of God. It happens several times in the Bible, the most notable of them being when Moses goes up the mountain, as we heard in our first lesson, and meets with God and comes back down with the Ten Commandments. His face was so shining that he had to wear a veil from then on because people could not stand to look at him. Now, transfiguration is not only a religious event. I am sure that when Ryan and Jonathan first held Reagan, their faces were transfigured. I know mine was when I first held my babies, and often when I hold other people's babies, too. So it is, too, when we see someone we love across a crowded room. But we are not here to talk about Moses or Jonathan and Ryan. We are here to talk about Jesus. To make better sense of what's going on, though, we have to go back a week in the gospel story. And it was briefly mentioned at the beginning of the gospel reading. At that time, Jesus sat down with the disciples and he said, who do people say that I am? And they replied, John the Baptist returned from the dead, Moses, Elijah, one of the prophets. And then he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, and inspired answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Wow. I don't know which is more startling, Peter's answer or the fact that for once Peter got it right. Jesus' first response was to tell Peter that Peter would be the rock on which the church would be built. But the next thing that Matthew tells us is that Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. That did not meet any definition of Messiah that they had. The Messiah was the one who was supposed to come and make everything right. To most people, that meant getting rid of Roman rule, economic justice, and our health and well-being. But Jesus was describing to them a Messiah that met the description of the suffering servant portrayed by the prophet Isaiah. It was not the Messiah that they expected or hoped for. So a week later, Jesus invited his core group, Peter, James, and John, to come with him up a mountain, and there the transfiguration occurred. Except Matthew doesn't use the word transfiguration. Instead, he uses metamorphosis. Now, when I think of metamorphosis, I think of a caterpillar that turns into a butterfly. For a person, it would be maybe like Katie, all of a sudden becoming totally different from what she is now. Instead of seeing her, we would see a metamorphosis into a person slash being 
clothed in light. Her face would shine. Her robes would not be just white, but dazzling white. And to emphasize that she was no longer the person she was a minute ago, she would be in the company of two of the greatest heroes of the Bible, Moses and Elijah. And that's what the disciples saw. When they looked at Jesus, Eugene Boy puts it this way, Jesus glows with the transcendent glory reserved for heavenly beings. An anticipatory revelation of Jesus as belonging to the divine world. It's God's way of showing the disciples that Peter's declaration of Jesus as the Messiah, the son of the living God, was correct. Douglas Hare says God gives the disciples the power to see what otherwise would have been invisible to mortal perception. Well, I'm sure you've heard of mountaintop experiences. This was literally and figuratively a mountaintop experience. But the problem is that we often want to hold on to those experiences and not come back to our real world. And that was Peter's reaction. This time he didn't get it right. He wanted to put up three tents or booths, one for each of them. Now it may well be that he wanted to rejoice in the vision of Jesus, of the heavenly beings, Moses and Elijah, rather than the one who must go to Jerusalem to encounter suffering and death. But that's not what was needed. Let me backtrack for a minute. When Moses went up the mountain to talk to God, God was present in a bright cloud that completely covered the top of the mountain. Just such a cloud appeared before Peter even finished his suggestion. And a voice was heard from heaven, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. If you remember back in January, when we read the story of Jesus' baptism, these are the words that were spoken by the voice from heaven then, except there's one addition. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified, and rightly so, fell on their knees with their faces to the ground, and then Jesus touched them, and it was all over. So now that you know a little more about the story, what does it mean to us? And I guess I came away with several things that it least meant to me. We have an affirmation that Jesus is the Messiah. We call him Lord and Savior. We pray that through him things will change for the better. Our world will become more and more the way God had intended it to be. And if the Messiah is the one sent by God to accomplish all these things, then God says, Jesus is he. Now, I seem to be on my way to becoming bionic. That is to say, I've had enough joint replacements that are getting to that stage. And I always appreciate it when the surgeon says, you will hurt for two weeks, but then you'll be able to move around more, and when you move around more, it won't hurt as much. I like to know what's going to happen as best I can. And I like to know that if according to plan, 
going through the hard part will lead to something better than I have now. The disciples still coming to grips with Jesus' statement that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer, and die. The experience of the transfiguration gave them a vision to hold on to of how things would be better after they got worse. And we can hold on to that same vision of God being so much more than the worst that can happen to us that we can face the difficult, painful, devastating, and rejoice that God is with us through Jesus who has experienced both the suffering and the transfiguration. Now, mountaintop experiences are wonderful, but they work best if they're let go of and not held on to. No matter how great the experience to hold on to it is to get stuck. To let go is, allow, is to allow us to grow in faith and our relationship with God with that wonderful experience as a springboard into something even greater. And then the voice said, listen to him. Now, most of us don't see visions very often. Visions are for special occasions, like bringing out the tux and the ball gown. The way we continually learn about God and Jesus as the Messiah is through God's word. I said to someone the other day that there's a difference between listening and hearing. It so happens that the word that Matthew uses in today's passage means both. We are asked to listen to the word of God, to really hear it, and then with the best we can do at understanding, to do what God would have us do. And Jesus was God's son in a special and unique way. I believe in baptism as we have today. God is also saying, this is my daughter, Reagan, whom I love. And I pray that the knowledge of that love will shape Reagan's life and help her become all that God intended her to be. So may we all be comforted in times of trouble by the vision of Jesus as the heavenly being he is and the Messiah who is to make the world right. May the word of God strengthen and enable us to do our part in helping that come to be. May we each hear the words of God for ourselves. This is my child whom I love. And may this place be transfigured by the joy of our life in Christ. Amen.